Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Sister Ashton. And thank you, all of our musicians and singers. And thank you so much for being here tonight. How many glad to be in church? I'm just glad to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. And, and this Sunday, if need be, I'm going to preach in my snow boots and my skis. And we're going to get here. Amen. No, we wanted everybody to be safe and and uh, and uh, it's not an easy thing. It's it's not an easy thing at all when you have to uh, call a service off uh, because of weather. And uh, but we're thankful that everybody is safe and sound, and and uh, we're glad that you're here tonight. Uh, we know that several didn't get an opportunity uh, to give uh, this past weekend. So after the service, we have made the offering plates available. We're not going to pass them out, but if you want to come and, and give tithe and offering tonight, we certainly. Uh, do encourage that. Uh, Tree of Life Church is financially sponsored by tithe and uh, your tithe and free will offering. And uh, we're thankful for what the Lord is doing. Uh, good things are happening with our Ready Now campaign. And uh, we're going to be making room in Jesus' name for loved ones. Amen. Everybody say loved ones. Amen. That's all our loved ones. That's all God's loved ones. And he loves he loves everybody and wants to see folks saved. And we want to make room uh, for people to be in the presence of the Lord. So uh, we're going to look tonight into the Word of God. We're going to continue our series, our series on the fruit of the Spirit. This is a very important topic uh, to the Christian and, uh, of course, to the Tree of Life Church uh, because the Tree of Life uh, is all about fruitfulness, fruitfulness. And uh, it's very important that you and I understand uh, the significance of being fruitful. Uh, Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. If you're wondering if somebody is who they claim to be, Jesus said, I'll take the suspense out of the whole equation. By their fruits you shall know them. And, and, and you can claim to be one thing all you want. But if the fruit doesn't add up with the, with the statement, then, then that, that's not who you really are. Your fruit defines you. And so is it going to be fruit of the Spirit or is it going to be works of the flesh that, that uh, speak for us? It reminds me of when Jacob went before Isaac who was his father, and he wanted to retrieve from him the blessing that was due to go to Esau. Uh, and Esau, of course, uh, had gone out to, to prepare the venison for his father. And while he was away hunting and preparing the venison for his father, Jacob is taking a little shortcut cheating his brother out of a blessing. He goes in before Isaac, his father, and he, he has gone through a meticulous process of making himself seem like something that he was not. And he, he came before his father with, with excessive hair on his arms because Esau had a lot of hair on his arms. He came before his father with the smell of the field on his raiment. He kind of wore some clothes that Esau would have worn. And he brought food like Esau would have prepared. He brought food before his father, Isaac. He did everything except disguise his voice. He could not disguise his voice. And Isaac's vision had waxed dim. He had, he had aged tremendously to the point that he could not see. But all of his other faculties were in place. He could smell, he smelled the field, he could taste, he tasted the venison, he could touch, he felt the hair on his arms, and he could hear, he heard the voice of, of Jacob instead of Esau, but he could not see. And some people think that because man blesses them, even men of God, and Isaac was a man of God, even men of God who may bless them. Or may be deceived by them as Isaac was of Jacob. That that means they have passed the test. 
But as Jacob would soon learn on a night while he walked by the Jabbok River, when a shadowy figure jumped out from somewhere in eternity and tackled him and threw him down into that water, he found out you might be able to deceive the man of God or any person of God out of a blessing, but you can't deceive your way with God. God will make sure that if you're blessed, you're blessed for the right reasons and the right way. And so you can't fake fruit. You can't fake your way through life. You're going to have to at some point have the real thing. Somebody said you can, you, can fake, uh, you can fake some of the people all of the time. And you can fake all of the people some of the time. But you can't fake all of the people all of the time. And uh, that's the way it goes with fruit. By their fruit, you shall know them. So, so if you are who you say you are, it will come through in the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit that you bear. So it's very important that we have the fruit of the Spirit at work in our life. Uh, last week, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit is love. We understood that that. Love is multifaceted. In one place, the scripture says that we are to know the height. That is the superiority of the love of God. We are to know the depth. That is the integrity of the love of God. We are to know the width. That is the, that is the wide-ranging spectrum of the love of God. It, it is for everybody. And the length of the love of God. There is no length too far that God won't go to reach somebody's soul because he loves you, he loves me, he loves his people. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Everybody say joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Now we're going to talk about joy tonight because this is something we desperately need. How many people want joy? How many people need joy? How many know you got to have joy? There's a reason why you need joy. And I will tell you, you can't find it in this world. But there's a reason you need joy. There's a reason I need joy. And uh, we're going to look into the word of the Lord from the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. The book of Nehemiah uh, chapter 8. And we're going to look at what the Bible says concerning the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 9. Now you have to understand that Nehemiah has just, has just received permission from the king. And not only permission, but he has received funding to go forth and build the wall around the city of Jerusalem. And he has done so against great odds and against great resistance. He has built the walls around the city of God. There were those who rose up against him but he persevered at one point he said put a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other and as we go in to do the work of the Lord we the 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 only weapon we need is the word of God this is the sword of the spirit the word of God and the the tool that we need we we apply it but but we do so understanding that the word of our God will will fight our battles for us and so Nehemiah, of course, was, was preparing to do this, and he was funded to do this. He was sent to do this by the king. He did it. It was amazing. It wasn't the only thing Israel was doing. Israel was, was restoring all of the heritage of God back to the people of God. They had been so far removed from their uh, relationship, their covenant with God, that that they, they just simply didn't have what they once had. Now, they are going to have their, their covenant fully restored. They're going to serve God again. And so for the first time in a long time, the law of God was read distinctly in their ears. And every man, woman, boy, and girl, anybody who could understand, was hearing the word of God. The law of God. Now, this was to happen every year, but many years had passed, and whole generations of people had grown up not knowing the law of God. 
So they're going to rebuild these walls and they're going to rebuild this temple. And they're in, a, they're in a restorative frame of mind. They're in a rebuilding frame of mind. They're in a revival frame of mind. And so they say, we want to hear the law of God. And Ezra builds a pulpit of wood. And he stands up on the pulpit of wood and he reads the law of God in the ears of the people. And as he reads the law of God in the ears of the people, they hear the law of God. They hear the word of God. And the Bible says that as they hear it, they begin to weep and they begin to mourn. The reason they wept and they mourned is because they saw how far removed they were from where they were supposed to be. Here they were supposed to be one thing and they were, they were a far cry from, from being what they were to be. And the perfection of the law was convicting to them. And they wept and they mourned. And while they wept and they mourned, this is where we find them in verse 9 of Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know why you need joy? Because it is your strength. And I want to to make special note of the fact that he did not say, Be not sorry, for joy is your strength. He said, Be not sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's important that you understand. It's not merely joy that is your strength, but particularly and specifically the joy of the Lord. That is your strength. So you need the joy of the Lord because that is your strength. Amen. And so when we talk today about the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, we are specifically speaking of the joy of the Lord. It is the joy of God. It is God's joy. That is your strength. Not your happiness that is your strength. God's joy that is your strength. What his joy is, that is your strength. And so we need strength. The Bible says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He's going to strengthen your heart. He's going to strengthen it. And he taught us how he strengthens it. He strengthens it with his joy. He strengthens it with his joy. The thing that brings God joy. Now, I love this statement. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You want to know why? Because this is what I call a this is that statement in the Bible. There are statements like that in the Bible. The this is that. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we have a very definitive understanding of what faith is. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. He said this, speaking in tongues, is that outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We understand then that speaking in tongues is directly linked to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It's a this is that statement. So you don't have to wonder what your strength is because he gives us a this is that statement. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Another place he said this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. You don't have to wonder or worry or question how do you know if you love God. You know you love God if you're keeping his commandments. Not just the letter of them, but the spirit of them. And so he says the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many need strength tonight? How many need strength to get through this week? You're not going to get it from Starbucks? You're certainly not going to get it from the liquor store. You're not going to get it from a pack of cigarettes. You're not going to get it from... You're not going to get it from a relationship on this earth. You're going to get it from the joy of God. 
And the beautiful thing about the joy of God is that the joy of God grows in us through the operation of the Holy Ghost. So you don't have to go outside of of yourself, if you please, looking for the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is found on the inside as the Holy Ghost is in operation. And so it grows inside of you. You need to take some time in prayer and in the Word of God and go pick some joy out of the, out of the garden of God. I love the old song, uh, In the Garden. And he said, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He describes a unique connection that, that the songwriter has with God. And that's the way the joy of God works. Spending time in the garden of God, you just, you just pluck some joy off the tree of life. You, you pluck some love out of the garden of God and you feed yourself. It's within you. It shall be in you a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. So that's where the strength comes from. It comes from the joy of God. Now the question is, what is the joy of the Lord? Because I know, what, I know what joy is in theory, right? I mean, in theory, joy is happiness. In theory, joy is gladness. In theory, joy is an emotional experience or an emotional thing or an emotional state of being. But, but the Bible gives us understanding of what true Bonafide joy really is. And so we're going to look into that a little bit tonight. Because I don't, listen, this world has deceived me so much. I don't want to take the world's word for what is joy. My heart has deceived me so much. I don't want to take my heart's word for what is joy. I want the word of God to tell me what is his joy. And so... We're going to look into the word of the Lord and we're going to see exactly what is the joy of the Lord. First, I want to begin this by, by looking at the book of Hebrews chapter 12. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 and we'll begin with reading verse 1. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Now, now mind you, we have just finished one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. We call it the hall of faith. This is where many characters of the Bible have just been described, kind of a brief synopsis of some of the great exploits they did for God. And the writer of Hebrews says with each of them that what they did, they did by faith. Noah built an ark, he did it by faith. Abraham went out from his father's house and looked for a city that had foundations, whose builder and maker is God, he did that by faith. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He did that by faith. At one point, the writer said, you know what? I, I don't even have time to tell you about all of them. He's like getting carpal tunnel. He's like, you're just going to have to take my word for it. I wish I could tell you about Samson and Gideon and Barak and Deborah. I wish I could tell you about more of them, but... But, but you just have to understand, these were people of whom the world was not worthy. He made a clear delineation between these people who, by faith, saw things other people didn't see. People who were told it's going to rain, didn't know what rain was, and built an ark. People who... People who had heard the king's command that all the children were going to be killed and they went ahead and built a little ark of bulrushes and put it in the, into the river and said, by faith, I'm going to trust this child to the Lord. And, and it was by faith, by faith, by faith. And, and that's what the scripture is concluding in Hebrews chapter 11, which brings us to verse 1 of chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. That's some good advice right there. 
every weight, let us lay it aside. And the sin that doth so easily beset us. I'm just going to go down a quick little rabbit trail like this. I'm going to come right back on where we were, all right? So everybody just kind of go with me. And the sin that doth so easily beset us. What sin so easily besets you? Which one is that? Which sin is it that so easily besets you? That you just have a hard time with that one. Some of these others, they're not a problem for me. This one, no, that's not a problem. That one, no, that's not a problem. But this one, I struggle with this. I have a problem with this sin. And and the writer of Hebrews said, lay it aside. Lay aside every weight and lay aside every sin. And I'm just going to give you a little helpful Holy, Holy Ghost tip. If you will lay aside the weights. Now, the weights may not be sins. The weights may just be things that make it harder to run. I was, I was running late for a plane one day, and my sister had taken me to the airport that day. And we pulled into the longest line I'd ever seen, trying to pull up into the departure lane. And I realized, I'm not going to make this plane if I sit here waiting for all these cars to clear out. So I said, Kristen, I'm just going to get my suitcases and run. She said, okay, well, I love you. Have a safe trip. I said, all right, thanks for the ride to the airport. I grabbed my duffel bag, my suitcase, my hanging bag, my other hanging bag, my whatever else. (laughs) And I got out of the car. And I ran for like 30 seconds. Waved back at my sister. Got about a foot down the sidewalk. and, uh, And the traffic had cleared out. And I'd been running for five minutes. I couldn't run because the weight so easily beset me. That's what weight does. Weight will weigh you down and prevent you from running the race that is set before us. If you'll lay aside the weight, it will be easier for you to lay aside the sin. See, you, you, you're having trouble laying aside the sin because you've not laid aside any weight. You've not, you've not trimmed some of the things you just simply don't need. They may not be spelled out in the scriptures as being sinful or will keep you out of heaven, but they are making it hard for you to spend time in prayer, and they are making it hard for you to love your neighbor as yourself, and they are making it hard for you to seek first the kingdom of God. Lay aside the weight. And if you lay aside the weight, it'll make it easier to lay aside the sin that really will keep you out of heaven. That really will prevent you from from serving God. That really will prevent you from uh, living with Him eternally. So the scripture said, lay aside every weight, lay aside every sin that doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's how you do it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm glad he's not just the author. You know, there are a lot of authors who never finished what they started. But he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, there's a lot loaded into that statement. Do are you, are you hear that? He said... That he endured the cross. And he endured the cross while he despised the shame. So this picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. I mean, I, can't, I still don't understand how he endured that cross. I still don't understand how he was able to take all the pain and all the punishment that he didn't even deserve. I mean, we have one thing said about us that's untrue, and we lose our Holy Ghost. We lose baptism in Jesus' name. I mean, we just, I mean, we revert back to who, the old man. Jesus did nothing wrong. And he endured that cross, and he was made an open spectacle. And he despised the shame that was brought upon him. He despised it. While he's on the cross, I know it was the most noble thing that anybody's ever done in the history of humanity, but he despised that shame. How in the world did he make it? He made it because of the joy that was set before him. 
Just on the other side of that pain, just on the other side of that sorrow, just on the other side of that borrowed tomb, just on the other side of everything he was going through, the moment he would give up the ghost, when he would raise from the dead, there was, there was joy waiting for him. And it was that, that was the joy of the Lord. And that's what helped him to endure the cross. That's what kept him on the cross, even though he despised the shame. So we're understanding that the joy of God has something to do with with what happens after we die and are buried and raised from the dead. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at what the Bible says about joy. Matthew chapter 25. And verse number 21. We're, we're, We're talking about here the... Talented servants. This is a parable of, of a master who, who gave servants talents. He gave five talents to one servant. He gave two talents to another. And he gave one talent to another servant. And when he did, he said, I'm going to give this to you. And I, I want you to do something good with it. That's a, that's, a, that's a powerful illustration. God wants you to do something with what he gave you. And so, the master gives these talents away. The five-talented servant takes the talents that his master gave him, and he applies them wisely, invests them wisely, utilizes them wisely, and when the master comes back, the Bible said, in verse 21, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He goes on to say, He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked, slothful, Servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then in my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, given unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every man that hath shall be given, and he that shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The unwise servant, the wicked and the slothful servant was cast into outer darkness. Where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the five talented, the two talented servant, the good and faithful servants were welcomed into the joy of the Lord. Again. The joy of the Lord is associated with what happens when the master returns. So we're we're developing a better understanding of the fact that the joy of the Lord is not something that you look for on earth and find. It is something that is connected to what is coming. So, So now let's look at Luke, the book of Luke. We're going to look at the book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Verse number three, he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise, here it is, joy shall be In heaven, over one sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. 
Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends, her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the place, the peace, which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. He then goes into another parable. The next parable is about a son who we call the prodigal son. The prodigal son wanted his inheritance and he wanted his inheritance right now. He took his inheritance from his father and he lived riotously. He wasted all of his substance. He found himself in a total deluge of mind. He was, he was out of it. But the Bible says that while he lay in filth and degradation... He came to himself and said, I will arise out of this muck and mire and I'll go to my father's house. For the servants have it better in my father's house. And I'll go back as a servant. I've already relinquished my role as a son. But when he came back to the father, what he did not know was that the father was watching for him from afar. And the father ran to him, hugged him, kissed him, and said, You're not going to be a servant. You are my son. And what we see here is the love of the father. Can you imagine what would have happened if the older brother, who later in the parable resented the prodigal son for the way that he lived, and tried to talk the father out of blessing him? Could you imagine how different the story would be if the older brother would have reached the prodigal son first? What if if the prodigal son happened on a day that the father wasn't watching for him? And the older brother saw him coming and met him and said, what are you doing here? You've already made your decision. You should go back to the people you chose over us. And I wonder when somebody comes back to God, who is it that they meet? Do they meet the older brother or do they meet the father? And whose interests do you serve when you talk to people? Are you serving the interests of an older brother who sees it as as trying to hold this man accountable for the mistakes he made in his past? Or do you represent the interests of a loving father who simply wants relationship with his son again? We have to be careful that when people who seek God, we must, we must, we must understand that we are always to represent the values of the father and not the values of an older brother. Sometimes the older brother is religion. Sometimes the older brother is tradition. Sometimes the older brother is our preferences and our pet peeves and the way we like it. And sometimes we go with the attitude of an older brother to, to exact some kind of a penalty upon this prodigal son. The whole time, it doesn't reflect the interest of the father. If the father can have a one-on-one, face-to-face conversation with the prodigal son, he's going to embrace him, kiss him, hug him, slay the fatted calf on his behalf, welcome him home, say, forget about it, just come on back into my house, just come on back into my house, and that's the way God is. You want me to tell you what the joy of the Lord is? The joy of the Lord is when the prodigal son comes home. The joy of the Lord is when the one lamb is added to the ninety and nine. The joy of the Lord is when the one piece of silver is added to the nine pieces of silver. The joy that was set before Jesus at the cross was, when I get through this, I will have reconciled the world unto myself. The joy of the Lord is when all God's Children, come home. That is the joy of the Lord. When all God's children come home. We see it reflected in 3 John. And Brother Diaz preached such a beautiful message about this passage, this verse of Scripture. 3 John verse 4. It simply says, I have no greater joy. Ah, Lord have mercy. I want you to hear that for just a moment. 
I have no greater joy. Now, I know it's John talking, but he's talking with the Spirit of the Lord as his guide. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's my joy. And that's God's joy. It is God's joy that all God's children walk in truth. It is God's joy when somebody stumbles in. He doesn't care how they get here. Stumble in. Stagger in. Walk in. He doesn't care how they arrive. Just, just, just get back into relationship with God. Come back from where you were. Doesn't matter how far you've drifted, how far you've gone, or who you've been with, or what you've done. Just come on back. The Father is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's the joy of the Lord. And what we're talking about when we talk about that is we're talking about a place that he has prepared for those who are buried with him by baptism into his death, raised to walk in newness of life. You see, you've got, you got to understand, Adam, read, read sometime. The, the begats of Genesis chapter 5. And follow them on back, all the way back to Adam. Those folks lived a long time. They lived a long time. And, and, and some people don't think that the begats have much to offer. It can be boring. It can be, you know, bedtime reading. No, no. No, read it. There's power in it. And as you read it, you will understand something. It Begats and begats and begats and begats and begats and begats all the way back to Adam until you realize that Adam was the son of God. Adam was the son of God. And as the son of God, he gave away everything that God had given him. When Jesus Christ stepped into this earth, He was God manifest in the flesh. He came into this earth not as the created Son of God, but as the only begotten Son of God. Adam was created, but Jesus the Christ, the last Adam, and the second man Adam, Jesus Christ was made of a woman, made under the law. He was the only begotten Son of God. And when He steps into this earth, He is here to reverse everything Adam messed up. He is here to restore everything Adam had allowed to to go to waste. And so Jesus, oh hallelujah... He turns it all back, turns the clock back, reverses the curse, overcomes sin, overcomes death, overcomes hell, overcomes the grave. Oh, blessed be his holy name. And when we are baptized into his name, then we have overcome sin and we have overcome death and we have overcome hell and we have overcome the grave. Not by virtue of what we have done, but by virtue of what he has done. Oh, hallelujah. And so, so we then have an opportunity to be called the sons of God because of Jesus Christ. That's what John meant when he said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we of all people should be called the sons of God. He's giving us back what Adam threw away. What is he giving back? What did Adam throw away? Adam threw away life. And he took death into his bosom. And he embraced death and shunned life. The scripture says, I have set before you life and death. Therefore, choose life. Always choose life. Adam did not choose life. Adam chose death. But Jesus, hallelujah, came and said, I am come that you might have life. And that you might have life more abundantly. What we have in Jesus Christ 
is eternal life. It is us with God forevermore. World without end. Hallelujah. On and on and on and on. In the presence of God. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So, so, so the joy of God is realized when all God's children come home. This is why God hates it when his children don't love one another. This is why God has a problem when we bicker with each other. This is what the Bible said. The Bible said, love each other as I have loved you. And so he, his whole concept and his whole idea is to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also. To the, to the man Job, and I won't go into the story of Job, but Job's life, let me just sum it up by saying this, his life turned upside down. And, and, and it, was, it was, seemed to be of no, no good reason. And the, Job's comforters came to talk to him, and, and they were no comfort at all. They just said, you surely can't be as holy as we thought you were. All this bad stuff happening. And Job said, yes, I am. I'm holier than you thought I was. And the whole book of Job is Job trying to express how he is undeserving of the things that have come upon him. And those who are accusing him are trying to explain that, that he must not be as pure and he must not be as close to God and he must not be as holy if these things, this calamity has come upon him. And Job is defending his righteousness. They're attacking his righteousness. He's defending his righteousness. They're attacking his righteousness. Both are wrong. He's not as righteous as he thinks he is. And they shouldn't be attacking his righteousness. God then enters the picture as a voice in the whirlwind. And he says, Job, I've heard you talk about all the things you know. And he said, I want you to instruct me, the Almighty. If you know so much, tell me where were you when the foundations of the earth were laid. If you know so much, tell me where you were. And this was the part, this is the part I want to bring to your attention. He said, tell me where you were when the morning stars sang together and when the sons of God shouted for joy. See, God was taking Job back to a time Job knew nothing about. And Job actually bragged about how he was more ancient than anybody else. And his book is the oldest book in the Bible. And Job's claim of wisdom was, listen, I predate all of you. I predate all of you. And I know stuff you don't know. And so God had to step in and say, you might predate them, but you don't predate me. I know stuff you've never thought of. I remember a time when all the sons of God shouted together for joy. I remember when there wasn't a devil. I remember when there wasn't rebellion. I remember when there wasn't death. I remember when there wasn't sorrow. I remember when there wasn't pain. I remember when there wasn't sickness. I, I know of a time and a place where there was nothing but unity and peace and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so help me. It's going to be that way again. If I have to manifest myself in the flesh. Be born of a virgin. If I have to live an obedient life. If I have to be put to death as a transgressor. And be buried in the borrowed tomb. And raised from the dead. And ascend on high. And pour out my spirit. And come again. It's going to be that way again. The sons of God are going to shout for joy again. That is the hope. Of the Christian believer. That is the. That is the joy. That, that, that God has. And that is the joy that is your strength. 
The joy that is your strength. You don't, just, you don't just think of some happy little thought and then all of a sudden you feel happy. No, there's a specific happy thought you need to think about. And the specific happy thought you need to not just think about but need to be persuaded of is there is coming a day when no sorrow shall come. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. That thought needs to put everything else in perspective. That thought needs to be at the forefront of your mind. All this other stuff will grow strangely dim. All of these little problems and all of these little bits of turmoil. When you realize that just beyond this thin veil of flesh is the sweet by and by where all God's children have come home. The next time depression stalks you, The next time that worry haunts you. The next time that past regret and mistakes and failures taunt you. Dwell upon Jesus who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. But thank God is set down at the right hand of God. Oh, hallelujah. This, my joy, is all complete. Thank you, Jesus. This is the joy of the Lord. So when Nehemiah looked at the children of Israel that day and saw them, listen, they had just got done building walls and building, they just built gates. They had just established the whole perimeter of the old city, Jerusalem. And now they hear the law of God and they're weeping. And Nehemiah like stops Ezra and says, hold up Ezra. Wait a minute, brother Ezra. Stop it. Don't you know this isn't a day to mourn or to weep or to, or to, to clothe yourself in sackcloth and ashes? This day is holy unto the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Go your way and eat and drink and have friends and have relationships and have friendships and and live life. Stop walking around in the molly grubs. Don't you realize what just happened here? We just built gates on the old Jerusalem. But it's not about the old Jerusalem. It's about a new Jerusalem. See, these gates we just built are, are, are a physical representation of something that already exists. Oh, hallelujah. These walls that we built around the old city of Jerusalem are a physical representation of something that already exists in a place you can't see with your human eye. That's what God wants you to know. Nothing but what you do for Christ will last. Have joy. Take joy. Hallelujah. See, see, I'm going to praise the Lord while I have a chance. I'm going to lift him up and I'm going to magnify his name. And I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to sing a new song of joy. The Bible commands me to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. See what I'm doing down here when I make a joyful noise, a noise that is full of joy. All I'm doing is something physical, but it reflects something that's going to happen in the spiritual. It's something in the heavens already prepared for me. So I'm just going to act out on earth what is already done in the heavens. And that's what Nehemiah wanted the children of Israel to understand. And that's what he wanted them to know. Don't be discouraged because what you've done on earth has already been done in heaven. Keep your eyes on what really matters. Keep your eyes on what really matters. Stop weeping. Stop it. Stop walking around in sorrow. And lift your eyes to that heavenly city. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the next time you can't deal with your boss, you just think about in the sweet by and by 
when I reach that beautiful shore. The next time your, your spouse and you aren't, aren't wanting to talk tonight or tomorrow, God forbid, you just, you just, you just go to that place. Somebody got up one time and they, and they, they, were, they were singing the old uh, uh, heaven song. See, the old timers used to sing about heaven. Because the old timers went through some stuff that let them know this world doesn't have the answers. And we've been deceived into thinking that this world is pretty comfortable. We've been deceived into thinking that we'll always have money and we'll always have heat and we'll always have air conditioning and we'll always have somebody to talk to and we'll always have a congressional representative to, to whine to and, and we'll, always have, we'll always have something in place. We've just got every apparatus in place that we need. And they didn't have all that. They didn't have all that. They, their world fell out from under their feet. Their stock market crashed. And, and that's, they didn't have, so, so they dreamed of a city called heaven. They looked in the word of God and longed for a place, hallelujah, that wasn't filled with sorrow and sadness and sickness and death and shame and pain. And, and they, they sang about it. And I heard this man get up and sing, and this is what he said about it. He said, back in the day they used to sing what I like to call escape songs. And he said, I don't sing escape songs. And he started singing about things that were happening here. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to sing me some escape songs. Because I'll tell you right now, I don't care how nice you think you have it. This world is not my home. You better get used to singing some escape songs and thinking some escape thoughts and making some escape priorities and planning some escape plans. Hallelujah, because I'm not going to stay here when the trumpet sounds. I'm not going to stay here when the world is on fire. I'm not going to stay here when Israel is compassed about with armies. You hear what I'm telling you? I'm not going to stay here. You hear what I'm telling you when the beast is rising? I'm not going to stay here. I've got joy on the other side. There's a home waiting for me. There's a place prepared for me. Oh, hallelujah. And as long as God sees fit for me to be here, then I'm here with my shoulder to the plow. And I'm not going to look back because if I look back, I'm not fit for the kingdom. I'm not going to look back. I've got my shoulder to the plow. I want to reach people. I want to win souls. I want to love my wife and my children. I want to love the church of the living God. I want to reach people and preach the gospel. But if God called me out tonight, I'm ready to go. If God says tomorrow is my last day, I'm ready to go. My joy is not here. It's in a home far beyond the starry sky. That's the joy of the Lord. And that's why you can have joy when things aren't going good. Because they can take a lot of things from you. But they can't take the place he has prepared for you. And soon and very soon, hallelujah, I'll shout by myself if I have to. I said soon and very soon, my God have mercy, hallelujah, soon and very soon. You say they've been saying that for, they've been saying that for 2,000 years ever since Jesus died, was buried and rose from the dead and showed himself by many infallible proofs. Do you understand and the scale of eternity how quickly 2,000 years passes do you understand that a thousand years is as a day under the Lord and a day is as a thousand years do you understand that when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun oh I want to see him and I want to look upon his face. That's my joy. That's my joy. That's the joy of God in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Woo. Hallelujah. They used to sing about it, Brother Wilson. They said, we're going to walk right down those streets of gold with friends we used to know. Going to sit down and have a little talk with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. See, St. Peter, James, and John going to talk to the prophets one by one. Going to move right into my father's house on Heaven's Avenue. You better start thinking in those terms. 
Don't be like the man who said, I've got so many barns, I'll build bigger barns. He said, thou fool, tonight your soul is required of thee. And what plans have you made for eternity? Hallelujah. 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 Don't forget there's a happy land of promise. Don't forget we're not living for this day and age. Don't forget that we are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And we're looking for a better city. Here we have no continuing city. But in that land, it's a city where we will never grow old. You hear what I'm telling you? In your, listen, this isn't a fairy tale. You're not going to have some kind of a toga on with a harp flying around shooting arrows at people on February 14th. That's not what, that's not what heaven is. God's going to give you a resurrected body. A body that is incorruptible and fadeth not away. And every, listen to me now, everything that death and its minions like pain and sorrow and sickness and sadness, all those minions, everything that those things have inflicted on your natural body, those things will be erased. You will have a new body. Free from aging, free from sickness, free from sorrow, free from dying, free from crying. (laughs) This is a real place. This is a real place. And no murderer shall be there. No murderer shall be there. No thief will be there. No rapist will be there. You hear what I'm telling you? There are not going to be any liars in that city. There's not going to be any boasters in that city. All is peace forevermore. There is no contention in that city. There is no form of bigotry in that city. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. We're going to rule and reign with him forever. Hallelujah. When we build this building, understand we're not building this building for down here. It's merely a reflection of when all God's children come home. We want a place where all God's children can can come home. As many as we can get, come on in. If you're listening to me right now and you don't believe you can make it back, come on back. Come on back. Come on back. Oh, hallelujah. I want everybody that knows God to forgive you after you've mis- made mistakes and fallen down. Hallelujah. Time and time and time again. I need a witness. If you're falling down time and time and time again, I want you to give God the praise that he's worthy of because he lifted you up again and again and again and again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to His wonderful name. Glory to His wonderful name. Glory to His wonderful name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 
there are going to be saints that have gone on before us that you haven't seen in years you've not heard their voice in years you're going to hear their voice again you're going to see them again in the bride of Christ you hear what I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ sister Jessica you'll see Judah again and you'll hear his voice you will hear his voice because he's known of God and God knows him you hear what I'm telling you it's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share I wonder if you could just give God praise right now like you're going to give him praise when you reach that golden strand Come on, let him baptize you with a baptism of joy. 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 Joy in the good times. Joy in the bad times. Joy when you're feeling good. Joy when you're not feeling good. Joy when you got bad news. Joy when you got good news. Because we're going to a city where all will be reconciled and all will be restored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Sister Bobby Ford. And I'm, I'm done, I'm finished. But Sister Bobby Ford, precious lady of God in this church for many years, worked tirelessly, worked tire, tirelessly for the Lord. And she went on to be with the Lord, received her reward. She had not talked for a couple of days. And she lay on her bed of, of affliction and she was about to pass on into the joy of the Lord. I was by her bedside and I said, Sister Bobby, and I, you know, they say they can hear you, so you just talk to them. And I spoke to her, I said, Sister Bobby, I said, what's awaiting you is pure joy, joy, joy. In his presence, there is fullness of joy, joy, joy. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy, joy joy of thy Lord and while I was talking she uttered one word hadn't talked for two days she uttered one final word that I heard it was, it was simply that word joy I pulled back I thought she might already be there <laughs> she might be seeing something that I don't see Don't go by what you can or cannot see. You go by what the word of the Lord says. And the word of the Lord says, there is joy in the presence of the angels. There is joy in heaven. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You want to know where joy is? Joy is in heaven. It's in the presence of the angels. It's in heaven over one sinner that repents. If you want joy, you have to go sit in those heavenly places. And reach up and just pick some, pick some joy off the tree of life. And let it feed you again. Let it get down on the inside of you. Let that seed, which is the Word of God, be planted inside of you. I remember when I was a kid, my, my, my brother and my sister would tell me, Joel, don't eat this, the grape seeds because a, a grape vine will grow inside of you. If you. He said, don't eat that orange seeds because an orange grove will grow inside of you. It had me terrified. But that's really what happens when you open up this word and you ingest it. That seed gets down on the inside. Hallelujah. And a joy tree starts growing. And a love plant starts growing. 
And you don't have to go out somewhere else to get joy. You don't have to go seek love in some illicit relationship. It is in you. A well of living water springing up. Hallelujah. Springing up into everlasting life. I wonder if somebody right now could just sit in that heavenly place and let the joy of God wash over your soul again. Come on, when was the last time you let this world grow dim around you and you focused your soul's sight upon that heavenly city? Hallelujah, when was the last time? I'm inviting you to do it right now. I know the hour's grown later, but, but could we take just a few minutes and just let the Holy Ghost whisper to us again? Have joy. There's joy in knowing. There's joy in knowing. Hallelujah. Come on, if you've not made your calling and election sure tonight, tonight's the night to repent of all your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Joy. 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 Woo, joy. Come on, that's it, that's it. I need some, I need some believers, hallelujah, believers in the promises of God. Hallelujah, to shout for joy. Come on, I need some sons and daughters of God to shout for joy. Come on, the devil has tried to beat you down, but it's not going to work because I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able. I am persuaded that he's able. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. My soul down deep in my soul. Oh, see, there's beauty in my brokenness. Hallelujah! I've got you, love, instead.